Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Welcome to the latest episodes of the Royal Blue Podcast. I'm your host, Conor O'Neill, and I'm today joined by Paul Wheeler and Chris Beasley to look back on Everton's disappointing 2-1 Premier League defeat to Manchester United at Goodison Park on Sunday evening. It was a game that couldn't start any better for the Blues as they took the lead inside five minutes through Alex Roby, but mistakes were pounced on by a clinical United side who claimed all three points and brought an abrupt end to Everton's seven-game unbeaten run. Bees, I'll start with you because you were alongside me in the press yeah. box at Goodison for the game on Sunday. In all, it was a pretty disappointing even for the Blues, wasn't it? After a, br- a bright start, yeah. we're punished. Yeah, it was disappointing, doubly disappointing, like you say, because of the way they, they started the game. We knew it was going to be tough because Manchester United, let's not forget, you know, the, the sort of players that got on that pitch there, Cristiano Ronaldo, one of the substitute. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I wasn't even with. in the starting lineup. Um, some would say the greatest player of all time. Certainly, he's got to be in the, in the conversation for anything like that. And uh, that's another debate, please. Yeah, for sure. yeah, yeah, another day. Um, but yeah, regardless, he's not too shabby, is he? Even at nearly 38. Um, so yeah, so we know, I mean, we, but on the same token, United were the for the taking, they've been beaten 6 3 by Manchester City in the Manchester Derby just the weekend before. And we know how incredible City are this season, but you know, it was a tough um, result for them last weekend. They sort of scraped through in, in Europe against Minnows midweek. And you'd have to hope everyone give them a good game, and it certainly looked like that was going to be the case. Um, you say just five minutes in, crowd all shouted, shoot, Alexa will be obliged, and uh, hit the back of the net in spectacular fashion from outside the area. So that should have been the inspiration Everton needed to to go on. Another famous performance under the lights against United, perhaps, at Goodison forever. And remember, of course, might only, uh, here's another one, podcast for another day might only be one more trip for Manchester United mm. to go to Goodison before the stadium moves so it could have been a another grand old night at the grand old lady but unfortunately yeah the, um mistakes again um unforced errors really uh address a gay that's twice now in two games you know as much as you sort of settle back in and you know that role that he knows so well of him I sort of put in my piece perhaps he's a bit too comfortable in that position now, and that he's done that twice now, given the ball away. And in the Premier League, you know, the speed of thought of opponents and, you know, the, the way the pace of the game is, it's in the back of the net a couple of seconds later. And Ronaldo just before half time, killer blow, terrible time to concede the goal. And they were sort of very much lacking in ideas and inspiration, very disjointed display. Um, the first home defeat since the opening game of the season. And, uh, yeah, there's, uh, there's still uh, much to admire about what's happened at Everton so far this season. Well, it was a, a reality check, I guess, and a sort of, uh, as Frank said before the game, that you know that the progress doesn't always go in, in a straight line, and I think uh, it was clear to see. We all be said there in terms, you know, it was a bit of a reality check for the Blues, but is it almost concerning that you know a familiar trend of last season in terms of individual edits once again? Really took ugly head and, and was was the reason for Everton's downfall really because although United did dominate, they didn't really carve Everton open that many that many times. And you know, like I say, you know, even the, some of the chances they have come of KC Everton mistakes, they weren't, you know, cutting Everton up with free thrown great attacking football. 
No, no, like, you know, I, I, there's no question in my mind that Man United deserves to win that game, sadly. Uh, I thought they were the better team from probably the moment they equalised on the rest of the game, bar from those last four or five minutes when you know, Everton put their head up with steam up and it did look like an equaliser could come. <laughs> we kind of a bit mixed emotions because we were saying where we were in work was on Friday or it was on Sunday morning, wasn't it? We were actually, you know, uh, in our works group and a lot of people like yourself were confident on Saturday and I was just wondering if it was the pessimistic Evertonian in me. But apart from the City game when United got absolutely destroyed, what City are doing that to most teams, United have been pretty impressive since since that kind of Brentford Brighton defeat at the start of the season. And you look at their team last night and as you said, bring it on Ronaldo. They could have brought on Sancho. You know, they had Casemiro, Eriksen, Fernandez, Martial, Rashford and Anthony. God knows how much all that costs. It's a real, really, really strong team and a, in, and a team and a club that should be doing so much better than it's done in recent seasons. So on one hand, I think sometimes you have to accept that, you know what, you might come up against the better side, but you're right, Connor, and you're right, Chris, you know, first half will one up. The atmosphere is brilliant, isn't it? The stadium's bouncing. Then to give a goal away like that was was bad. And then to do it again for the second one. But let's be honest, there could have been two or three other goals that had come from mistakes. You know, you know, Guy and Wobie weren't the only players to make unforced uh, errors last night. And I was reading your Tarkovsky piece before, rightly, Connor, you was saying, you know, we've got to be confident. But he also said in that, uh, be confident and be, you know, be, be positive because it's been a pretty decent start to the season after a, you know, a tough first 89 fixtures. But he rightly said we also have to, to look at those errors because, it, you know, it could, have, it, it could have cost us last week at Southampton, you know, and it definitely did cost us last night against Manchester United. And just that extra bit of quality, isn't it? You know, you know, you as, as you rightly said, Chris, if you give the ball away in the Premier League against good players like Anthony and Martial, well, uh, uh, sorry, Anthony and Ronaldo, who's obviously one of the best players of all time, you're going to get punished. Just come away from it. Not too this downhearted because I think we got what we deserved last night. And it's, as I say, it's been a good start to the season. But kind of the feeling for myself last night was that, yeah, there's still a lot of work to be done. You know, but not, 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 not negative, but just a bit of a realisation. Maybe that wake up call, that reality check that we've been talking about. Beast, you think almost, you know, last night, last night's game almost highlighted the limitations Everton have still got in the squad. I mean, you know, we saw the midfield kind of didn't get on the ball and create much because yeah. they still need maybe a ball playing midfielder. The back four, although they've done well in recent weeks, they seem to struggle with the cope of the pace yeah. of Manchester United's three forward players because it wasn't as direct as what they've probably been used to. Yeah. Do you think it was one of them nights where, like we all said, there, there's still work to be done and it, that work was, was abundantly clear for all to see of where Everton still needs to improve moving forward? Yeah, probably in all three areas of the pitch, like say, centre backs been a breath of fresh air, James Sarkowski and Connor Cody. Um, Tarkovsky, of course, made the error for what, what looked like it was going to be the third goal until it was eventually uh, disallowed after VAR. But you know that was a that was an individual error again, and uh, sort of Cody got left in Ronaldo's um, slipstream for for the second goal. I suppose again, no disgrace in that. There's been plenty mm. of players over the years of the goal number seven hundred. There's been plenty of occasions where you know being second best to Ronaldo is no disgrace, mm. but. Yeah, on this particular occasion, they they, they, they were second best, but um, those two are going to be fine. They'll be they'll do a lot more right than they'll do wrong over the over the season. But okay, that's that's the defense midfield. Like you say, 
but for that creativity there, uh, Alana did well at times and sort of nipping in using those telescopic long legs of his, but in an intelligent way, not just using his physicality, but actually being clever about it as well. And obviously, that was a well-timed uh, nick of Casemiro who went on to do really well in the game um, early on to put Everton ahead. But then um, up front as well, um, Neil Mope has been fight, um, playing off scraps for a, for a while now. Obviously, he got his goal against West Ham United, but it was similar against Southampton last weekend. He was taking the fight to them, but not really getting a lot of service. But here, looked from quite early on that it wasn't the solution. It was interesting. Obviously, he, he stayed on for a while. It was, it was only right at the end when Rondon came on that he she left the field. But you had him and Calvert Lewin on together. But it did look like Everton were crying out for a... Um, you know that in, in that aerial um, threat against United, um, especially with um, you know the, the personnel that they had in there. You thought that Everton get some joy in in that area. So yeah, we uh, interested to see obviously uh, uh, just how fit Calvert Lewin is now. It's great to have him back on the pitch, but whether you know Lampard is at all tempted to to start with him at, at Tottenham uh, next weekend because. Um, yeah, there's uh, as you said, the, the, the question marks all over the pitch. But it's it's not a case of ripping up and, and start again because it was Manchester United and it was a very expensively assembled assembled um, quality side. And of course, there's another one of them at Tottenham. But um, yeah, there's there's going to be much uh, much easier tests in, in the week ahead. They won't be all quite as as, as stern as that one. We'll obviously I spoke to Michael Ball for his column in tomorrow's paper a little bit earlier. One thing he points out was you know. What really disappointed him is how flat Everton looked. You know, he said they, they didn't really see much energy and tempo. And he said, you know, we've, we've one of the one of the lines was we've gave better Manchester United teams a much tougher game in the past because we played with real energy and real desire. And that wasn't really on on show. Was you a bit disappointed how flat Everton looked because it just, you know, even after they scored, you think, you know, there's the chance to go and smell blows and you know, get right on top of United, but they just didn't. They seemed to go back a little bit, and you know, next thing you, you know, they they kind of. Didn't really see much of the ball, and do you think was you disappointed that they never took that initial base from the the, the opening side five minutes and used it as a, as a springboard to try and you know, really kill the game? Yeah, because uh, I know earlier I was praising United and you know the, the lineup they've got. It's got some astonishing talents, haven't they? In there, but we didn't really lay a glove on them, did we? All night, apart from obviously the early goal and then the the late kind of you know the salvo at the end where we tried to get an equaliser. It's difficult. It looked like. I don't know whether we scored too early, in a way, uh, because it looked like Lampard had his idea not to be caught on the counter. And because United, you know, they're probably, probably strength that they found on the Ten Hag, that they found on the Solskjaer as well. They were a fantastic counter-attacking team. Actually, two goals they scored were classic United goals. They come a mistake, a couple of passes, and it's into the net. But it looked like Lampard's aim last night was to put nine, ten men behind the ball. And let's see if this United, despite all their talents, uh, you know, we've got had what it takes to to break us down, but the fact that we allow, you know, we Everton did it for United last night, but but even then, uh, one one after what fifteen minutes, and then two one for forty five minutes to, to to get it back, and I, I think Frank Lampard's doing a really good job. I, just, I remember thinking last night, could he have brought the subs on a little bit earlier? That's not that's not a criticism of, of Lampard's team selection because I think I remember reading you 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 guys' uh, lineups on the Echoes website. Before the match, and more or less everyone said the same team, you know, bar from maybe Gordon or McNeil, it, it picked itself. But there was a flatness about him, wasn't it, last night? And uh, I, I think it probably just, I looked at the bench and obviously Calvert Lewin back, coming back, as you just said, there is such a huge boost. But you understand why Lampard's 
taking it easy with him. McNeil came on, but you can. You, it was kind of like nights last night where you you remembered why at the end of the transfer window we were just wondering if maybe because they got one more attacking player in because I wonder if he, he'd had that other option or even say someone like Townsend was fit could have been brought on earlier. But yeah, I do, I do agree. I, I think United were good. I think they, I think they did brilliantly to to bounce back the way they did after conceding that early goal. I think they played some good football. Thought they pressed us really well. I think they. I think he quietened. I've never seen Gordon and Gray so quiet this season. I thought they did the fullbacks were really good, particularly sure. But I just won. I think they were good, but we were poor, and that's a disappointment, really. Yeah, I agree. We didn't. We didn't do enough. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. He's, you know, touched on just then, but, you know, obviously where we sit in the main stands in, in the press area, there seemed to me to be a, a growing frustration the more the second half went on. That Lamp, Frank Lampard hadn't looked to make changes, you know, he didn't yeah. didn't really change any, you know, a great brain Gordon swapped flanks a couple of times, yeah. but it was still the same formation, it was the same personnel. There seemed to be a real growing frustration among, where we heard that, he hadn't freshened it up. Was you surprised it took him so long to freshen things up? Because I think, you know, we also how the first half went, and when five minutes of the second half start, and no pretty much could also see it was following the, the the theme of the first half that he didn't look to maybe go for the juggle a little bit earlier. Yeah, I mean, people I mean, around us were all saying, as went in at half time, got to change it then, even before the second half started. So the fact that it, it went on for so long, it, it did seem a, a bit too long in, in terms of that because it, it, it just weren't getting anything. They just weren't get, making any inroads. So it did seem pretty obvious and we could see what the obvious change was but I, I guess that was shaped by how much he felt Dominic Calvert-Lewin had in the tank maybe he thought he couldn't give 45 minutes out of him and that that was the reason it was interesting obviously that um, it was James Garner who came as close mm-hmm. as to anyone's as uh, equalising on his debut obviously against the team where he you know, spent most of his life until and, uh, until this summer um, Manchester United youth product, although obviously he returned to his native Merseyside now, having you know working at ball midfielder. So that was interesting because all of a sudden it makes you wonder now. Like Frank Lampard's been bigging him up, um, James Garner, in terms of um, he said he wasn't ready when he first came to the club. Ideally, you know, he, he, by his own admission, wasn't much fit, but now he's, he's up to speed. So all of a sudden that incumbent midfield, which looked like that was going to be sort of like the combination for the foreseeable future, is going to be question marks. About that, I mean, interesting game was the sort of the, the instant hit signing that you know could hit the ground running. But James Garner is the long-term investment and you just wonder where you might be seeing a little bit more of him a bit quicker than we might have thought. But yeah, I think in terms of making the changes up front, which seemed patently obvious, again, he's, he's obviously been careful around Calvert-Lewin and we've just got to hope that we see a lot more of him because you can't keep him wrapped in cotton wool forever, just using him a bit part player. He needs to become the main man again for, for Everton up front. So as soon as he's able to do that, the better. Well, we will come on to Calvert doing a little bit more shortly, but just what B said there about James Garner coming on, I think there was a lot of eyebrows raised over that change. I don't think, you know, I said it wasn't what I was expecting to, to come on. Was you surprised to see him? And, and is it what B said there, an indication of perhaps he's a lot further ahead in Frank Lampard's thinking than many of us presume? 
Yeah, well, you know, Tom Davis didn't get on, did he? Uh, I don't think it was the corner in the squad. The squad, no. The squad, you know, and I know obviously his contract's coming to an end before too long, isn't it? He's obviously a signing for the future, but as Frank said himself on numerous occasions, he's a signing for now. And I, I think he, I think Cavalier doesn't have to prove anything. He just needs to prove his fitness, doesn't he? He doesn't have to prove his ability. Whereas Garner's trying to try and make a mark for his uh, for his new club, and I, but I thought he did well last night. You know, I thought he was very lively. He was so lucky with that cross or shot, whatever it was, towards the end that De Gea saves. And I just wonder if you know on nights like those when you know Morpai was feeding on scraps, wasn't he? he? Worked hard, but he didn't really have a chance all night. And Gray and particularly Gordon were were kind of you know were, were played out the game. We need more from midfield, don't we? I know Gav was saying it on a, a recent podcast that I was on with you guys. And, you know, Anana looks like he may get a goal from a set piece or in a box. You know, Guy, as we know from his initial spell at the club, he's not going to score many. A Wobie, if he can add that to a game like he did last night, it's great. But there was something there with him as well last night with Garner. And I think, as you said in your analysis piece this morning, Chris, that uh, maybe, you know, just Garner Gay's is slotted in really nicely, but there's no getting away from it. The last couple of games, he's made two big mistakes, got away with it by the response at Southampton. But last night he cost us, and there was there was another occasion, wasn't he, where he gave the ball away as well. Okay. So it, it's it's nice to have that midfield option. Then you know Tom Davis hasn't let anyone down when he's played this season. But from looking at it last night when you're chasing a, chasing a goal and he put James Garner on, and I think in that little cameo he, he proved that he could be a. You know, it could be could be a decent addition to the squad because he looked like scoring on a couple of occasions. He's just on, on the changes from because of them. There was plenty of talk off the changes. Jordan again. There was one before the game. Says Frank Lampard starting and apparently Gordon coming back in for Dwight yeah. McNeil. Was you surprised to see McNeil drop out after last weekend against Southampton because you know he did he did score against the day. You know he he did look to, as the more the game went on after Southampton, he grew into it. He got better. Was you surprised to see him? You know, taking out the, the start now after last weekend. I was. Um... I felt he'd done enough. I was obviously I was down on the south coast with Joe, watched that game live at, at St Mary's, and he sort of grew into the game. Um, was so spectacular early on, but obviously boosted by that goal that he got and put on a real solid performance. So to be honest, I thought that Damani Gray might be the one to to miss out. I can understand why Gordon came straight back in. You know, he's gone into this season as as the main man. You know, we we all sort of. Uh, Thought he might be on his way to Chelsea in the latter days of the, the transfer window, but after keeping him at Goodison, it was a major boost for everyone. And you can understand why he's gone straight back in. But I just felt that maybe it would be great to drop out and uh, McNeil to retain his, his his place. But as it was, it was um, Anthony Gordon really who really struggled. Like as, as, as Paul says, both the wide men were kept quiet, and I thought Gordon in particular had a, had a tough night. Obviously, he picked up the booking as well. Which means he's, he's suspended for the trip to Tottenham Hotspur, and then I mean that's not good at all. Um, just nine games into the season, you know, a, an attacking player who's a winger, stroker, false number nine first couple of games of the season, but you know to have picked up five bookings already. I don't think that's too too clever. So you know we're about um, Gordon for the next game now. But a few readers who uh, picked up on our story on that today have said that that might not necessarily be the worst thing in the well, maybe just take him out the picture for a week because that's been the thing so so far. Anthony Gordon's come so far in such a short space of time. I think I mean, about 12 months ago, we were even discussing, was he even going to make it at, Ever- at Everton? So that shows you how far he's come since then to establish himself as a, a regular last season. And the thing was, they couldn't ever 
really take him out last season because he didn't have the personnel to replace him. He was so important to the team. Now that they do have, you know, that extra option in there, you know, it, it, it might actually help in Anthony's um, long-term um, development, just, you know, not having to be put in 90 minutes all the time, take him out here, use him there, bring him off the bench, what whatever, that actually might be better for him. It's the way that, um, I know he's a bit younger, but that's the way David Moyes played Wayne Rooney when he was first um, coming through. He, he wasn't always, you know, playing 90 minutes. He'd come off the bench, do a bit here, do a bit there. And maybe if you've got the luxury of having those those squad options, uh, it might be actually be, be helpful for both a club and player. Will, was, was you disappointed by, by Evans' wire plays last night or do you think it was just a case of what you said earlier and how well United set up and how well Shaw and, and Dallow kind of dealt with them because they didn't really get in the game, did they? And no matter what kind of Lampard done, switching them round, playing them a little bit higher at one point, they just they couldn't really get in the game. They couldn't really have any sort of impact or effect on Evans' attack and play. No, and the, they're massively important to Everton, aren't they? Because, let's face it, there's not many goals in this team at the moment. You know, I say if a world we can start adding them, great, but we're probably not looking at a 10-goal midfielder at the moment from one of the three or four who are, you know, among the first truces. And, and this, probably Awobi has, has turned into a bit of a creative force this 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 season. You know, he's always positive with his passes, but he's added actual goal assists to his game as well. But there's still a, a bit of a lack of creativity in there. So a lot of the onus falls on on Gray and Gordon. And I thought, as I say last night, it was the quietest get Gordon's been all season. I, I, but I get. But that, that's, as, as Chris rightly said, he's still at the early stage of his career. He's still at the early stage of his development. He's not an unknown quantity anymore. And Luke Shaw had his number last night. Luke Shaw, I know he's had his ups and downs over the years, but he's clearly a good player. He's probably going to be England's left back at the World Cup. And I'd say, I thought, along with a couple of United players last night, he was one of the standout performers on the pitch. And it probably just comes back to McNeil as... The thing is with McNeil, I don't like the goal last week was such a big boost to him, wasn't it? But I don't think he's completely convinced yet. But that's it's still very early days in his Everton career. But what was quite encouraging, he threw a couple of crosses over last night that Calvert Lewin. You could tell he was a bit rusty, but he was he was trying to get on the end of. And I do wonder once McNeil's uh, once Calvert Lewin's in the side, I wonder if we'll see an even better McNeil because you know obviously he linked up with those big strikers he had with Burnley. Maybe not so much last season, but in the seasons gone by, you know people like Ward and Barnes. Uh, and I think that, I think we may see more from McNeil than uh, I like Gray. I know it, 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 Gray's an interesting one because, like Chris said, there was a couple of people around us at the game last night saying they thought they would have dropped Gray. But I think there's something with him. Like, I think his end product could definitely improve, and that's why he probably was we got him for 1.5 million because if you had more on product, it cost you know God knows how much much money. But he's, he's very graceful, isn't he? He's always positive. He's got great feet, and I can understand why Lampard keeps him on because I just wonder at the moment. I still I think at the moment he's more one who could, could create something out of nothing, which maybe I don't always believe with Gordon, but that's because he's a young player, you know, and as you, as you rightly say, both of you, you know, maybe the Tottenham game, is, it's not the end of the world to give him a bit of a breather, you know, he's got 10 days off now, only to the Newcastle game, but there's just, yeah, they could have done better last night, but they weren't the only ones who, who probably underperformed for Everton, but I just think there's quite a lot of pressure on them. I think if they, and I think it showed last night, if they're, if they're played out of the game, you know, we looked, we looked like we were, we're lacking ideas at times. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. These we all just used the word pressure there, and I think the return of one man last night, Dominic Calvert-Lewin, the, the real highlight for Everton in terms mm. of positives boost. But already the pressure he's 
going to be on moving forward is is huge, isn't it? Because yeah. you know, for a long time, or we you, you described him before, you know, the linchpin of the team, the the, the, the big centre forwards. But last night showed isn't it, that Everton are crying out for someone like him, and, and he's got to hit the ground running because they can't afford any more performances like that, and the ball's got to stick when it goes up top. Yeah, um, probably more so than when he had um, that great goal scoring run when he was in the season season before last. Because um, back then he had Richarlison, he had likes of Hamas Rodriguez in the side. As we've just been saying then, there's not actually a great deal of goals. In the side, OK, they're a lot more defensively solid now. But the flip side of that is that there's there's not a lot of other goal scorers in and around him. So it may be at times, as we saw towards the end of the game last night, it's him and Mope actually as a pair. We don't seem to see that much in football this year, you know generation ago that was commonplace that you'd have a classic big man small man combo up front and they feed off each other don't really see that now but maybe that's something for frank to explore but whether he's got a strike partner alongside him or not yeah dominant calvert louis first of all obviously has to prove prove his fitness because it's been one thing coming back now but it's to stay fit that's been the problem because he was out for four months he got injured the end of august last season out for four months and then stop, start, stop, start for the second half of last season. We don't want a repeat of that. We want a prolonged run of games for him, and uh, hopefully the goals can can come with that. Because as we said, they, you know there are wide options there. Whether it's McNeil putting the balls in uh, or Gordon or, or Gray, that he's going to have that ammunition that he can, that he can feed off. And it seemed patently obvious last night that that's whatever needed that that extra sort of aerial threat um, and it'll be the same against a, a lot of teams you know I think when he's fit and firing Dominic Calvert-Lewin's probably as good ahead of the ball as any centre forward in, in the Premier League as aerial aerially dominant as, as anybody so uh, yeah it, it's very important and because of the sort of lack of goals around him perhaps even more so well you know, it was important last night wasn't it that Calvert-Lewin was involved in some way because obviously you know he seemed close against West Ham Frank Lampard it was kind of even suggesting you know, he could be the squad, he, you know, could, he's in contention. He didn't. Then, obviously, after that, Frank, you know, explained at length why, you know, they didn't think it was worth the risk given that international break and that two weeks could, you know, give him a bit more time. And I think everyone accepted that and thought, well, yeah, you know, maybe what, what is the point in rushing them back? But then he had them two weeks off. And then again, going into the Southampton game, you know, Lampard was quite insistent that, oh, you won't be seeing Dom this weekend, you know, he's not, not in the squad, basically. So then it was important, was it? Like he, he he featured in some way last night because you know Everton fans were, were right to 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 start growing the concern maybe because you know how can a player be so close to be coming back two weeks ago to be not be in contention? They had to see some sort of progress. Yo, massively, massively for the player himself. Surely, hopefully that's that's just giving him such a, a confidence boost because it, it's clear we all know he had a bad injury in the summer, but it must be it must be tough mentally as well because for the past year like his his body's letting down a little bit hasn't it you know in terms of because he's such a physical specimen of a centre forward and he's not been able to be the player you know he was before the start of last season or after those first three games uh, but then we've seen it against Crystal Palace didn't we you know we've seen it before the sending off at home to Brentford at the back end of last season uh, and I thought we saw it in glimpses last night I think there was a ball over the top and he chipped it into the corner and he, he can drag centre-backs away in a way that Mopai can't and I think you're both right. Like, I think there's if there's games like that last night and Calvert Lewin's a bit fitter, there might be times where we could go 4 4 2 because I think Mopai would be better with someone else up alongside him because we don't have those kind of number 10 kind of midfielder next to a striker. Uh, I thought it was, it, was, it was a great positive. I was really pleased for him as a, as a player because he's been an excellent player for Everton. Uh, and, and 
we we shouldn't forget we've got one of the best centre forwards in England on his day. You know, apart from I, I still think Harry Kane's obviously the number one by by, by a long stretch. But if Calvert Lewin can play five or six games before you know before the instant before the World Cup, and if he can get a couple of goals and he can show his fitness, he's probably got on the plane to uh, to Qatar, won't he? Because he's he's done it for England in the past. Yeah, and I, I, I think I see reference that Tarkovsky interview again that you did, Connor. It was a big positive from last night. And that's why I think, you know, there was disappointment last night, uh, but it, it wasn't it wasn't too bad, was it? Because, you know, we've had a good start to the season and who knows if, if we get a Calvert Lewin back now fully fit and within a couple of weeks fully firing, I think I think we'll be fine. But that is the challenge, though, because isn't it for Calvert Lewin now is, is to stay fit yeah. because, you know, I feel like we've had a lot of false dawns but dominant it's not particularly down to him you know injuries happening injuries happening in professional sport you know, they, yeah. you know a lot of footballs get injuries he's always been bad luck at times but that's the challenge from now is it to stay fit for as long as he possibly can because he you know even for the sake of him probably personally mentally he can't be doing probably another spell on the sidelines watching on us you know the impact is you know no one can have a growing impact on the side yeah um it's a pretty tough one because like i said uh, I remember speaking to him uh doing a piece um, a few years ago and he was talking about his, his, his debut when he was like, like 17 or whatever he was and he was loaned out I think it was Staley Bridge Celtic was, yeah. in non-league football and uh, classic non-league football he ended the night in, in A&E after a black eye of some, uh, some some old school centre-half that obviously you know welcome to non-league football and uh, had done him but you know he said he loved every minute of it the rough and tumble of the non-league game and it, it made him a man and you know he was a, a young player at um, Sheffield United coming through and uh, hadn't played any first team football there at the time but that toughened him up and he was always so robust that was the thing about Calvert-Lewin durability you know he'd, he'd pick up all these bangs and bruises or whatever and, and he'd, he'd soldier on and he wouldn't miss many games at all but this last year or so just crept in so he's gone from being that like you think oh he hardly misses a game you know the sort of dependability we have with Tarkovsky now and uh, with Connor Cody where you just don't expect him ever to miss a game he was almost at those sort of levels and then now you're fearing oh you know do we give him on 20 minutes give him 45 you know is, is he going to blow up again yeah so as Paul said I mean it, it must be as it'd be in his mind as well as, as well as the managers um thinking um, how far he he's going to go so Hopefully he can put those those problems behind him now because he's been managed so carefully by Lampard. To be fair to the Everton manager, he's seen the big picture. There's been times this season, especially ahead of West Ham, when he was still requiring his first victory at the time. You know, he could have been forgiven saying, come on, DCL, you're going out there, whatever. Um, we need you today. He didn't do that, as Lampard's often done since he became Everton manager. He's seen the bigger picture. He's not been too obsessed with the here and now, the individual fixtures. It's more about what he needs overall and that, that's how he's managed Dominic Calvert-Lewin so he's got to hope that because he's been managed so astutely in, in, in that way that he and Everton will ultimately reap the benefits Well I just want to get your your thoughts on the way <coughs> even he dealt with his Dominic Calvert-Lewin situation because you know both John B's last week were quite strong in the defence of Frank Lampard in, in the way he sees the big picture and he's not you know rushed, rushed on back and stuff was you happy with that or did you think you know it was maybe not the time to be wrapping him in cotton wool and that, you know, at the end of the day, he's paid to play football and if he's fit, he should be out there, which is the view of a lot of fans, a lot of Everton fans. 
Yeah, I can understand that. I think there was a, a guy who sat close to us at the match when, you know, I think he was ready to come on and, like, you know, he was saying, how oh, great to see him back. And they were like, yeah, about time too, kind of thing. But but I think that was a consequence of the fact that there's been a bit of a build-up, as Chris was saying a moment ago, wasn't it? And what you were saying, Connor, it's been over a period of four weeks. And I think we don't know exactly what goes on behind the scenes, do we? You know, we, could, we have to, what we hear or what Frank Lampard tells us, you know, we don't know. We don't know exactly what's gone on there. So I'm pretty sure whatever Frank Lampard's done is the best for Everton Football Club and the best for Dominic Calvin-Lewin uh, as a player himself. So I've got no, I've got no arguments with that. But yeah, I, I think we've been helped because we've been on a good run. You know, the fact that lost and went unbeaten on seven didn't feel that much of a rush to get him back. So I was, I've been perfectly happy. I'd, I'd rather have missed Dominic Calvert-Lewin for the, you know, the first whatever eight or nine games of the season. And then make sure he's fit for the next 15, 16, 17. And then if he picks up another knock, it's not as bad. We've got to think long-term, you know, he's he's the Everton number nine and we, we need him for he fit. So if it means taking a softly, softly approach, by all means. But I think it's going to be interesting over the next couple of weeks. And maybe in the next couple of weeks, I might not be saying the same because we go yeah. to Tottenham and then Newcastle and these are hard games. And like, you know, Everton have not got the best of... Uh, <laughs> Was it best records at either at either club? I think it's fair to say in recent years, and they're both playing particularly well at the moment. So you know, if we weren't to pick up points in those games, and Calvert Lewin was on on the bench and still coming on, certainly for the games after that before the World Cup break, there'll be a big call for him to play. So I think at the moment it's definitely been the right thing, but you know, in the next couple of weeks, I think there'll be a bigger, bigger call for him to start, if not next Saturday at Tottenham, certainly within the the two games after that. He's obviously, you know, we all mentioned it, but you know, I spoke to James Starkowski afterwards in the yeah. week's and he was quite keen to put a crush on the Everton can't afford that this one result, you know, ruin the season. They can't afford that, you know, derail the hard work that they they put in so far this season. Yeah. And as you know, they've got to bounce back. And that's important for Everton, is that they can't let one defeat roll into two and then three and, and all of a sudden they the, the, the hard work has seemingly slipped away and they find themselves three or four more places down the table where everyone starts getting a little bit nervous. Yeah, especially with the with the two games as Paul just mentioned, back to back away matches. You know, to, <laughs> you know, in the space of four days, that's one for us to come on to. Obviously, next week in the podcast. But yeah, we are fully aware that Tottenham Hotspur and Newcastle are night away on 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 the horizon. Um, <coughs> interesting because uh, those games last season, obviously, I think Tottenham was the um, like the watershed moment for Frank when he became. Um, lot more pragmatic uh, it was me and Adam Jones down there that night and thankfully Tottenham suited declared at five I mean quite early in the second half it was you were kind of, yeah <laughs> could have been a lot worse it was but again it was a game that Evan had started well but positive first five minutes or so and the wheels just came off I think it was after that night Lampard was clever enough and he certainly showed that he wasn't stubborn and you know stuck in his ways has been previous Everton managers Good or bad, uh, you know, for contrasting ways, you know, Roberto Martinez and Sam Allardyce, chalk and cheese in terms of football and approaches, but they weren't, they they ultimately fell down because they couldn't deviate from that one way football that they wanted to play. Obviously, Martinez too pretty and Allardyce too attritional, whereas Lampard had come in with his own football and philosophies and was like, well, look, for now, we're in a relegation dogfight and can't carry on like this. So going back to Tottenham again, you want to put on a, a much better show than that. I mean, hopefully it won't be difficult to do better than that, but whether that's enough to avoid the defeat. And then, as I say, Newcastle United are always a tough one. Um, 
in, in midweek. Um, so yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be tough though because I think that Everton are necessarily in poor form after last night, but they're just two tough fixtures any whenever you play them um, throughout the season. So yeah, it's a big test coming up now. The these two games in, in the next uh, week week or so, and uh, you'd like to hope they can get at least something from those. We all these issues where they're a big test, and I think it's also a big test in terms of backing up the squads. You know, you, 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 you speak to Evan plays and they do a lot of interviews, and one thing they're always quick to get across is you know how the mindset's different. You know, they 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 they're not mentally stronger than probably the way last season. Obviously, sailed on the roads and stuff like that. But these, you know, certainly looking ahead just to, to Saturday, you know, this is a real test is to see how, how strong they are because they've got to bounce back from from that defeat last night and and put a show in that. You know, it might not be enough to get all three points, but it's certainly far better than them just rolling over and, and kind of almost performing like they did last night with a lack of energy, lack of a bit of intensity, and a simply second best. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was like those performances, like that 5 0 at Tottenham, and even the, the one at Newcastle, but sadly, you know, early on in Frank Lampard's reign, it was 3 1, but it could have been a lot more than that given the former St. Maximum was in that night. We can't be seeing that. We've And we've certainly not seen that. This season, as I said, you, you were both spot on. I agree with you about like the intensity wasn't there. They were just a bit off, bit flat last night. But to the credit, when it's 2-1 and you're playing poorly, you've just got to hang in on the game. And by hook or by crook, we did that. And like, you know, if that game may have gone on two or three more minutes, you never know. We might have nicked one because we, we generally did look like scoring in the in you know in the uh, the injury time. So credit to them for keeping going towards the end. But yeah, it's gonna have to be back to the wall, isn't it? That'd be I I even though Tottenham this season, I think, even though some of them, they're obviously having an excellent season, aren't they? But I've read a few things from their supporters. I don't think it's flowing football that they're seeing down there. But that's Conte, he's a winner, isn't he? I think he puts uh, results, uh, you know, he puts results over style. Uh, but I don't think, I think we'd be foolish uh, to go there, all guns blazing, really. I think we've got to be, we've got to keep it tight. And I just think, you look at it, we've took six points out of the last nine. And I think looking ahead, Looking before those games against West Ham, Southampton, Man United, you probably would have taken it, wouldn't you? I think it's fair to say you get six out of nine. And I think if we could get, I don't want to sound negative, but if we can get at least one out of these next two over that kind of five-game spell, it's not too bad. It's not too bad given the, the standard of the fixtures. It's just, it's a test of the squad. And I think it's a test of us as a, as a supporters as well, really, because it's not being negative again. It's not being pessimistic, but you could come out of these two games with defeats. And it's, as as you like you said earlier, Chris, like progress isn't always a straight line, as Frank Lampard's uh, attested to. I think we've got to look at the bigger picture here. But so for me, over these next two games, I, I appreciate that going to be big underdogs, certainly and certainly on Saturday and probably at Newcastle as well, given how well they're playing. It's the performance levels for me. Hopefully, go and get something. But there's got to be progress compared to those two games against Tottenham and Newcastle last year, where we were, you know, we were well beaten. Right, gents, we will leave it there. I think we've chewed the fat enough over that performance on Sunday afternoon. But of course, we will be back on Friday to preview the game against Tottenham and look back on Frank Lampard's press conference to, to preview that game as well. And also, you know, just discuss and dissect all the latest Everton news. Who knows, there might be another takeover story out by then. <laughs> it seems we're on a weekly basis or some sort of weekly takeover update. So there might be another one by, by the time we record. But for today, thank you very much for listening. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.